Overall from the field, but he was also 50% from three. He's five to ten. I know you're out there. It's okay. Stand back there. <laughs> no, more than likely, you're going to get that number one seed. And so I want him to be ranked in number one. Eight. Welcome into another episode of Let's Rage Cooks presented by the Saxinian family. I'm joined here alongside Dan Dunlop and Chris Gardner, and we are coming off the heels of a very tough loss for the number two Houston Cougars on the road in Fort Worth. They fall to the Horn Frogs 67 to 68 in what can only be described another welcome to the Big 12 moment. The Cougars have lost back-to-back games for the first time going back to the 2021-22 season. So it's been a while since the Cougars have lost back-to-back games, and Really, for the first time, I think this might be this is a, most definitely the first time since I've covered UH. Chris, I don't have to go back when was the last time they had a sub-500 record in conference play. Obviously, still very early Big 12 conference play. It is the Big 12. Um, we knew it was coming, but um, the storm, it, 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 to use an analogy, is like the, when you know that a Category 4, Category 5 hurricane's coming, you hear about it. And when it's finally here, you still can't prepare for the test. And the Cougars have definitely been tested this week, obviously, in two very difficult, hostile road environments. But Chris, Dan, I'll toss it over to you guys. What do you guys think about how this game went? A lot went um, bad. There was a lot of struggles and a lot of issues. But at the end of the day, Houston Cougars, ooh, they let, it feels like they let one slip away, literally, in the final seconds of the matchup. They still could have gotten out of Fort Worth with a win. This game had everything. The the Cougs had good defense first eight minutes of the game, whatever, jumped out to a lead. Got a lot of reaching fouls and had bad defense. TCU had a layup line in the first five, six minutes of the second half. Like eight of their baskets in the second half were, were layups or dunks. Out of the first, they were like nine for 13. Eight of them were layups or dunks. So the defense took a nap miscommunication on the screen, slip screens, et cetera. And then the Cougs found a way to get back in it, to get that one-point lead. But Juan Roberts had a great game. Missed the front yeah. of a one-and-one. One. Michael Peavy got the rebound. Damian Dunn lost. Emmanuel Miller baseline. Miller cut, got the pass, got the layup. With six seconds left, Cougars had a timeout. Coach Sampson does not like calling timeout for the most part in those final seconds. Damian Dunn had the ball, moving very deliberate. Looked like on the sideline, Coach Sampson won the ball to Jamal Shedd. And Damian didn't, fumbled it. Time ran out. TC won, fans on the court. You're muted, Dan. Yeah, I mean, it was a good game. I, I think, once again, um, kind of watching the same thing kind of reheaded itself. Houston really looking, needing a half-court score. And, and I was mentioning after the last game how much Damian Dunn was going to need to step up and had our Coach Sampson and the staff mention they wanted to get him going. They finally were able to get him going. And it was kind of able to help them stay in the game with LJ not shooting the ball well and Emmanuel not shooting the ball as well as he has over the past couple of games. But that's really where it's headed here again in this game. And the drought scoring in a half-court set and able to really execute in a half-court set. 
went to Jay one a bunch and he was able to get to, to his left hand and, and really play a stellar game, not only offensively, defensively, energy, all around. He had he had a really good game. But I think overall just Coach Samson and staff continue to iron out the, these different lineups, but you're gonna have to iron out who can score in the half court set because of Jamal is a good um score, especially in a one on one isolated situation or in a pick and roll situation, but he exerts so much energy on defense and then to have him have the responsibility of having to score can really take a toll on him. So I think just keeping him fresh down the stretch and having his ball in the hands down the stretch going forward as the season goes on and on, just kind of foreseeing, looking down the road, I think that's something Houston will look to do. But it was it, it, some good signs from this game, in my opinion. I think Damon Dunn was able to finally get in some rhythm. I think they found something there. It's now it's about getting LJ going because if his three-point shot isn't going, he has to find a way to impact the game offensively. You know, it it's Emmanuel Sharp. And LJ Cryer combined the two of them. That's the best three point shooters on the team. Two for 11. LJ one for seven from three. Emmanuel one for four. LJ even missed pull up jumpers, you know, mid range game. He missed those. He's struggling. Two for 14 on the floor tonight. <clears throat> so he's in a slump. No free throw attempts again from him. That's an issue. He's, he's got to just stop with the fadeaways going to the left, trying to throw up a right handed shot off balance. Attack, pump fake, go up and under, get fouled. You're a good free throw shooter. He's better than that. It's just different ways. It's ironic now. Now the Cougs got Damian Dunn going. LJ's in the, <laughs> LJ's in the slump. On it to get together in the, in the same game, and they'll be okay. You know, and let me say this. This is my point of view. The majority of those fouls called on the Cougs were reach-in fouls. Okay, Manuel Sharp reach-in, Jamal Shedd reach-in. Those are fouls. You fans may not like it. Those are fouls. One of the one Emmanuel got the shot clock winding down. He he reached down, slapped down. That's a foul. That's a foul. Stop complaining about it. Stop crying about it. Those are fouls. Hey, and TCU obliged by missing nine free throws or more. So it's it's not like the refs took the game. They missed 13 free throws. So the refs did not take this game from the Cougs. Juan missed that front end of one and one. He played great, just missed that free throw. And the Damon Dunn got beat baseline, and the help was late, and Miller got the layup. And there you go. But I would have liked to see JVA in the game, stretch and LJ not on the floor. With him struggling as he would, especially in this game. He got he's just not making look, making yeah. shots, shots that he can make. So his second second game, I think Coach Sampson, in my opinion, should have went with JVA because he was having such an effective game on the offensive board and changing shots and blocking shots. Maybe he comes over and erases that shot, but just that activity that he was giving you on the offensive rebound and defensive rebound, I just would have rather him on the floor with Damon and Emmanuel because, like I mentioned before, Emmanuel, although he isn't making his shots, He's still impacting the game offensively with penetrating, getting inside, creating plays, getting to the free throw line. LJ isn't doing that. And that's something he said he wants to work on. When he has the ball in his hands, initiating the offense, he just initiates the offense. He'll get the ball to the wing, that drill goes straight and get it whatever action they in, but it's no look to aggression to actually make a play for himself. A couple of times he did. One of the times that Chris mentioned, I actually think he got fouled, but he didn't get the call. And so I think he just has to be more aggressive, looking to create contact and not be so three-point depending 
and when it isn't falling, just has to be able to impact the game. Because one of the things that people talk about was his Big 12 experience. He has the experience, right. especially playing on the road, and he isn't hasn't stepped up so far. I still got trust in my I still like the shots that he's getting, and I trust that he can make them based on his career percentages. But this is make make him his game. And so no knock on him just in this individual game. I think he didn't have it once again. Real quickly, Chris, um, to, to add on to your point that you mentioned earlier, you um, alluded to how after TCU went up by one, Kelvin didn't call timeout. And scrolling through, um, this is courtesy of GoCougs.com, Kel, he quotes Kelvin saying that there was never a chance he wanted to call timeout at the end. But to your point, Chris, like you mentioned earlier in the show, he said he wanted to get the ball back in Jamal's hands and let him attack the basket, which especially in the under two minutes, Jamal said – um, he did up. He hit a couple of big shots. He had that tough layup. He hit that big three. And I mean, think about the situation a season ago in Memphis. They didn't call timeout. Ball was in Jamal Shedd's hands. It worked out for Houston. Uh, similar situation, not exactly the same, but just the ball didn't bounce their way in this game. And when you think about um the the how cruel. Of a coincidence, when it comes to TCU, they had 13 more free. They missed 13 free throws. Houston only missed four, but the timing of it, Jawan Roberts misses that front end on the one and one, like um, you guys mentioned earlier, and then that turns out to be the difference. Ultimately, that one point um, is what Houston end up losing by. Well, I mean, we could also say, and I'm not bashing on Damian Dunn. He he had brain cramp down the stretch, yes, but he got With that technical foul for taunting. Oh, that's two and, free throws. Yeah. Who's lost by one? You I can like say that call either. University, but hey, it's a rule. I I'm, I don't know how that rep <clears> heard <throat> it, but I mean I don't know because who was it? Coles, I think he had his back turned to to uh, Damian after Damian scored on him and got the foul. <laughs> so I don't know how the ref felt that was taunting, but he was talking. I'm not even sure he was the one who yelled out like, and one. I thought it was another teammate who yelled that out. But hey, ref called it. Those two free a- throws right now come back. It looks bad. But down the stretch, the ball should be in Jamal Shedd's hand those last six seconds. I was surprised he didn't demand it, take it from didn't he, Damian, didn't he give it whatever. up? He had it and he, gave it he up. He inbounded it or whatever to Damien, yeah. and Damien took it up the floor. He never got it back. Yeah. That but I don't make tech, any sense right there. That tech call, I don't like that call with the ref. It's an objective call, and it really depends on what the words that he's saying. I guess some words are obviously techable. But in that play, oftentimes it just depends on the refs. It's just a lot of emotion. Yeah. That's an emotion play, but that's the hill there. He turned I don't and looked to the bench, you know, and yeah. some refs felt that's taunting because he looked at the bench. You know, whatever. I mean, it depends on the ref, like you said. Yeah. But that last few seconds, he should have gave the ball back to Jamal. <laughs> okay. Because on the sideline, coach was pointing to Jamal, like, get him, give him the ball. So in yeah. that situation, I understand it. <laughs> 99 times out of 100, coach does not like calling a timeout because he does not want to let the defense set up. But in that situation, there seemed to be confusion from his players, and he had like four seconds left when he got across, three or four, got across half court, should have called a timeout. Yeah, set it up nah. and give him a chance to figure out, get on the same page, because they were not on the same page those last three seconds. Yeah, I agree. I think once he's seen the ball wasn't in the player who he won his hands come across half court, that's the... Uh, <coughs> time to that you go and call your time out but just think about jamal's career i was thinking about as the game goes on he's been in that situation where he's failed and when he succeeded mm-hmm. and so he, he he he's prepared for that situation and that's why i said the point that i said earlier 
especially in this game, he was able to stay fresh down the stretch because he's in foul trouble in the first half. So I think in a, however way Coach Sampson has to kind of monitor his minutes and make sure he's fresh going down the stretch, it will bode well for this team going forward because it's going to be more nights where LJ shot isn't falling and Emmanuel shot isn't falling. They still manufacture those points in other different areas. But I think the game will be close. The defense will always keep them in the game. It's just watching this team, they they need people that can score. That's the name of the game. You need scores. So our Coach Sampson says he recruits scores. He can teach you how to play defense. But the name of this game is putting the ball in the hole. And those half-court sets, Houston need players who can beat their one-on-one matchup and, and get a bucket. Real quickly, let's um, remind everybody we think each and every single person is taking the time to watch us on this Saturday night. This is Let's Rage Cruz presented by the Saxonian family, the original Houston postgame show for football and men's basketball. And it's presented by the Saxonian family, not only for this episode, but all regular season long. I can never say thank you enough to Steve Saxonian and the Saxonian family for uh, being a proud supporter of Let's Rage Coops. And, of course, we also like to say thank you to our secondary sponsor, Bean Star Pizza, with three locations across the Houston area. Star Pizza is your go-to stop before or after the game. Be sure to stop by any of their locations every Tuesday during lunchtime for an all-you-can-eat pizza buffet. Star Pizza, as always, has free delivery since 1976. Now, before we get into more game specifics, let's take a couple moments to uh, look at the comments, see what people are saying about this game. And uh, I'm curious to get your guys' thoughts when it comes to these comments. Matt Bell on YouTube says that Houston doesn't deserve a top 10 status. He's called them garbage on the road. Chris B says last game against Iowa State, there was no plan down by three to four. Offense just gave up this game down by one and offense looked like it gave up. Coach needs to find an answer, preach defense, but you need to have offensive answers. Demerick couldn't score a bucket, and the refs didn't help. Matters. Uh, Crispy, I'm not mad that we lost, but it's the constant issues with helping our small guards get in rhythm. No one is afraid of our perimeter players. And Demerick with the stat line, 4 of 18 from 3. I'm noticing a trend, and specifically it's focusing on the offensive struggles from Houston last couple of games. And one of those comments I definitely agree with. No one is scared of Houston's guards. You look at Houston's guards, there's no one that you can look up there. You're like, damn. We got, I mean, you got people on the scouting report, but I agree. No one is scared of Houston guards. I think that's a really excellent point. But as far as offensively, I mean, um, go ahead. I just go ahead, Chris. I, no, I go ahead. No, that. no, go ahead, man. Go, go ahead. No, if you're flowing, go. If you feel it, go ahead, man. No, no, I just want to mention on that comment. I, I agree. I think that, that's a, that was a good point because if teams look at Houston, you don't have that prolific score like Houston has had in years past from Marcus Hassan to Quentin Grimes to Rob Gray, Armani Brooks, you name them. But my response to that is before LJ struggles, he was, he was lighting it up playing well. Shooting ball. What we're seeing these last two games is when he's in a slump, the offense looks worse. When your best score, your best three-point shooter is not making shots that he normally makes, the offense doesn't look as good. And some of his threes, these last two games, some of his shots have been bad misses. I mean, long, some bricks, an air ball here and there. So he's really in a slump. So clearly, if LJ is your leading scorer, the best three-point threat, he's prolific, got the experience, experience in the Big 12. When he's struggling, the team's going to struggle. Last game, fans are harping about 
Damian Dunn being MIA. Well, Damian Dunn's got, got points tonight. He had a few issues defensively. The Cougs lost by one. And I'm going to say this. Get this. Y'all know how I feel about the polls and stuff. I don't care about being 15 AP poll, coaches poll. Don't care about being top 20 in AP coach. That means nothing. The committee does not care about the AP poll, does not care about the coaches poll, does not care about any of that. So fans, forget about all that stuff. That's for a school to market and promote. When it comes down to bracketing, the committee does not sit in the room and say, well, let's see, where are they ranked in the coaches poll? 10? Oh, okay, they must be a good team. They don't care. Trust me on that. I know. I've been there in the headquarters. I know how that goes. So forget about this AP ranking, this coaches poll ranking. So what? The Cougs have to get LJ, Emmanuel, and Damian Dunn on the same page offensively going forward. They do that, get that three-headed monster going offensively, this team will be fine. And we haven't really touched on either in the first half. Jamal Shedd hardly played. He played five minutes. He got in foul trouble early. And that honestly, Houston had built up. They were what? Uh, they led by 10 at one point. Or they, they got up to 12, I believe. And then Jamal Shedd comes out of the game. That completely changed the flow. TCU makes that rally. And it's a dogfight the rest of the way. Yeah, it was. But they actually held. They played. I don't want to say they played well, but they held surge with Jamal on the field. That, that really yeah. wasn't the issue. Minutes. I think. Yeah, for most of the time he was on the. Well, the problem baby. became, fellas, they started fouling and getting fouled, and that's how TCU got back in the game was because they went to the free throw line and made free throws. Because I think TCU made what five field goals in the first half, four of them were threes, but most of their points came from the foul line, and then the Cougs ultimately the offense started to bog down. LJ missed shots, and yes, LJ is not a shot creator, but he had enough open looks. Tonight, he missed them. So he got open looks from the teammates, from Jamal Shedd penetrating, driving baseline, and he missed them. It's not all the shots he missed, not because of athleticism by TCU. He missed some easy shots that he usually makes. He's in a slump. Period. And I said I thought they would lose between five and seven games in Big 12 play. They've lost two right now. And they'll still be good come tournament time. And when it comes to the offensive struggles, the guards, Emmanuel Sharp kind of struggled shooting the ball too. He had a big three late down the stretch in the latter portions of the second half. But one of the other players um, in particular struggled not only on the offensive, really defensively, he kind of looked like a freshman, um, most notably in this game was JoJo Tugler. He struggled defending inside the paint in this game against TCU. And, um, I mean, he only played 11 minutes today, put, picked up four four personal fouls. Uh, a lot of them were not the best fouls. Um, that being an understatement, he he looked like a freshman in this game against the Horn Frogs. He, he did. His last two games, he rode games, he has regressed. But he's also 18 years old, playing against grown men. Defensively, he was late on rotations. He got some bad fouls. And we're seeing it's like 180. For a while this season, fans were hype about JoJo and bet and down on JV Francis. Last couple games, JVS played better. JoJo's struggling. Damian Dunn was struggling. LJ was doing well. Now Damian Dunn's getting it going. LJ's struggling. <laughs> I mean, if they if the team, and it's a big if because you have to do it, but if the team can play well collectively, they'll be fine. But if key players 
continue struggling, then they're going to struggle. Yeah, and, and that's kind of wishful thinking. It's rarely mm-hmm. unless some teams get hot, and it's like it happens. Teams get hot at the right time, and they get it going. But it's really wishful thinking that we, you'll have your top three or four all scores going at one time. Right. So, or at, or at most definitely for like a long period of time. Like it, right. it might happen one game here or there, but right. it's not going to happen. The rest that's of what the I want fans to understand. <laughs> but uh, uh, players uh, struggle. Uh, <laughs> that's just part of basketball. But I also I also think that um, part of that is just finding a rhythm, finding a rhythm and, and finding how they want to play and getting the players in, in certain spots so they can succeed. Because as I'm still watching this half court sense, part of that is still figuring out where to get Damon the ball, how often to get him his touches, how often to get um, JVA his touches on the block, how much. So a lot of this Coach Sampson is still figuring around. That's why offensively, I think it's still good because LJ is still getting shots that he can make. He just isn't making them. So not no knock on him. I just think he could do a little more and maybe yes. get to the free throw line or maybe create more plays and find ways to impact it when his shot isn't falling. But offensively, I, I kind of like what I see – Somewhat, it just there needs to be more consistent um, from the role players. I, I think Jamal is going to give you what he give. He's been pretty much consistent. LJ, he's been consistent. He just needs to find ways to finish shot isn't falling. Because you, when he's such a good shooter, your shot isn't always falling. That don't mean you can't have a good game because he can still get steals and impact on defensively and find other ways and maybe get steals to get out in transition. So just do different things. And um, I, I saw I really like Emmanuel's game. I, I think he's doing a good job of um, not just settling for threes and not allowing that to dictate um, his game. And I think someone touched on it. LJ played 37 minutes tonight. He might be tired. Malik Wilson, six minutes. Coach does not trust him enough to give him more minutes. Malik, so in, oh, he should, he should tonight. I'm sorry, cut you off, but no, no, go he ahead. Had, he he was one player watching tonight. He should have played more minutes because when he was he getting had out a of the open floor. Yeah, he yeah. had shots that it's just the ball didn't go in, but those are good shots. He you could tell his athleticism. Nobody can stay in front of him. He's getting to his spots. He's grabbing rebounds. I think if Coach would have rolled with him a little bit more. He could have got more of him because he's another player that can create, not only create his shot, but he can create for others. And yes. oftentimes when they get into those actions, the ball just moves and teams who can switch and rotate and stay in front of these guards, they can really um, defend Houston. That's why I said no one really scares Houston when you're looking. Because with LJ, although he's such a prolific shooter, if you just contest his shots and, and he's making those contested shots, then you'll live with it. You know, anybody, you'll live with it. And so – I think Coach Sampson still got us, still figuring it out, still um, figuring out how, how to use certain lineups, use certain players. But I think he can still get a little more out of Wilson if he does trust him. And you know, and back That's to the balance a good question, right? Trust. Because Dayon, we touched on it a lot tonight. Juan had 18 field goal attempts. That's what we. I mean, that's probably a little bit high, but we like to see him get those touches, mid post, low post, things of that sort. I do yep. not, you know, Emmanuel only had seven shot attempts. I'd like to see him get double-figure attempts every game. So there's a balance. you got to figure out a balance where you get your key offensive players the right number of shots or a solid number of shots for them to get a rhythm for everybody. That's, that's hard to do. Got to figure that out. So all those things, all those issues had one slip up down the stretch and they lost by a layup in the closing seconds. 
And TCU is a good team. They're still undefeated at home. No. Cougs had a chance to win despite not playing well. So, you know, I saw a comment from a fan about the Cougs' weak non-conference schedule that hasn't prepared them for Big 12 play. They lost by a point to a team undefeated <laughs> on their home court. I mean, Arizona lost on the road and... to Washington State, who has a worse record. Arizona's had a hell of a non-conference schedule. Why are they losing? <laughs> you know, I mean, folks, the Cougs, we're not going to go undefeated this season. We're not going to go undefeated in Big 12 play. They have not played, hell, good basketball these two games, but they've been in them. Dad, they have they, not closed lost deep. by a combined of five points. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so they haven't played well, <clears throat> but they've lost by a total of five points in two road games. Now, clearly, they need to start playing better, which we think they will, but the sky is not falling. They'll be okay. <laughs> this is what we wanted, right? We wanted to be in the Big 12. We wanted to play tougher teams. We wanted to get the, both, the best out of the team, best out of the program, all these things. Okay, well, what do you expect? They weren't going to go undefeated in the Big 12. They're going to struggle against tough teams because these teams are as good as Houston. They're as physical as Houston. They've learned to. <laughs> when you mentioned JoJo, the physicality, that's what's sticking out to him. You can tell. Well, you can tell that he's the youngest player in the conference. Yes. They yeah. mentioned that nugget, Big but time. you could just tell, tell him that watching the game. His athleticism and all that, but just the physicality, just the, the grown man strength. Yeah, that's the that's where he still has to develop. He did catch it one time in the mid post and get his floater game, and I think um, he he can do a, a good dive player, especially on those pick and rolls, good shot blocker. But tonight, just the, that physicality, the, the reaction, the quickness, um, is always what he's still reacting, especially in that Big Twelve. I think a couple more games in, he'll be settled in. So any more from Go Cougs? Anybody who who made made the trip up to uh, Fort Worth? Let me scan. But as I look ahead, I'm, I was trying to see if they haven't sent the post game video yet. So maybe if we get that in a moment, we could potentially play it here before we wrap things up. The only thing from Joseph Duarte of the Chronicle, who also went made the trip up on X, he said that Kelvin Sampson, direct quote from Kelvin. We should be 3-0. We easily could be 3-0, but we're not, end quote. Um, so, that's, I mean, that's a direct quote. At the end of the day, it's been plays here and there, and both games have come down the stretch, and, and Iowa State and TCU just made a couple more plays to pull the game out. And like you mentioned, Chris, this is Big 12 play. This is what the league is going to be night in and night out. Every game is going to be like last season was uh, when Houston played Memphis. Like these past two road games have been that level of physicality and it's come down to the wire needing to execute. And it's not just Houston. Just look at a few nights ago when UCF, a former American Athletic Conference um, team, beat Kansas at home. Um, or they beat Kansas, UCF beat them in Orlando. So that's just the type of quality of teams that the Big 12 Conference has. And Dayton, West, Virginia. Houston, Dayton, West Virginia, West Virginia is beating. Beat. Yes, they were they were up. Um, did they At finish home. and they beat them? So Texas lost on the road. Which Houston? In the Big 12. Houston, 
Yeah, a to week West ago, Virginia. Houston, uh, the team that Houston beat by 30-plus just last Saturday. So <laughs> that's just how much of a wild, wild west that the Big 12 is. And then BYU turned around and beat UCF today. So it's it's just one type of the conference where they're just literally going to be beating up on each other night in and night out. Now, when we look ahead for Houston, <clears throat> the good news for the Cougars is that they come back home. They host Texas Tech on Wednesday inside the Fertitta Center for an 8 p.m. tip-off. So they're going to be in some friendly environment after two road games haven't necessarily gone their way. But um, really to, to really reinforce your point, Chris, about how the sky's not falling, the it would be a much different thing if the Cougars had just ran into buzzsaws and they look like they're on a completely different stratosphere and with these teams, which has not been the case. You know, they're still right there with them. And the most importantly, for the most part, and I think in this game, in particular against TCU, especially in the early portions to the middle of the second half when TCU went on their run, and I think they built up a, a seven-point lead where the Horn Frogs were finding gashes and they were taking advantage of Houston in the paint. Um, They've been still playing good defense for the most part in the past two games. It's just a matter of being able to figure out those offensive struggles. I mean, they held TCU to – there were – TCU had 11 points with seven minutes and 30 seconds in the first half. Like, that's how good their defense was in the early part of the first half. And same thing against Iowa State. They held Iowa State to 57 points for the game. So, it's – Growing pains, growing points, growing pains on new conference that is just really that damn good. Yeah, you know the Cougs. I'm kind of surprised Coach said that uh, they should be three and zero because they've done just enough to be one and two. I mean, yet they've been close down yeah. the stretch, but Iowa State freshman made that tough turnaround on Tuesday. That's a hell of a shot. You know, tonight you're up one, get beat baseline, and for a layup, and that ends up costing the game and your leader does not get get the ball back in the closing seconds. Even even before that, after Jamal makes that three, top of the scouting report, Coach Sampson knows Tennyson is their best three-point shooter. Yes. You cannot lose him. That's something yes. that cannot happen, especially on an elite defensive team like Houston is. I'm sure that's a play Coach Sampson and staff will go back to and like, look, we cannot have that type of defensive lapse in this situation because if you get that stop there and miss shot, now you are you up and, and the game is different. So right. I think that was the key play outside of that backdoor Miller. Of course, that was a key play as well. But I think I think before great that, call, great that point. Was a, that was a big big shot. And and I don't know how you guys feel about it, but it it seems to hurt and kind of diminish the life of a team when they hit a clutch three, a big three, only to give up a three right back. Right, especially back. with that yes. crowd. That, that you know, I mean, that crowd getting into it. That's, that's so I think like two or three times tonight, especially that last possession that Dan's touching on, the Cougs hit a three, but TCU went right back and hit a three. You know, it just, it just takes that it, it hurts you. Like, damn, we got momentum, and then nope, we lost it again. So there were mm-hmm. some times when the Cougs had some breakdowns defensively because of communication. So all these things we're talking about is defense. We got a lot of folks talking about the offense. <laughs> if they don't give up that three to Tennyson, Cougs win. You know, little things like that, little breakdowns like that, Houston wins. Despite L.D. Cry's struggles from, from the floor. He may have shot, missing shots. You just think, don't have breakdowns, you know. Here, here we are, the one and two in conference play. 
I think LJ and Coach Sampson is going to have to do more of getting him off the ball and moving around, coming off screens, down screens, cross screens, diagonal screens, to get him some of those looks where he's catching and shooting and doesn't have to so much create or doing the pick and roll. And they get a lot of sets where there's goal screen action where he'll get some open looks. And the looks, to, for me, isn't the, isn't the problem because he's getting good looks. He just – the ball isn't going in. But I think just looking a little bit more just to ensure that you get him to a good rhythm is maybe have him come a little bit more off some screens, maybe move more off the ball. I like, I like Stephen Curry. I think just a lot of moving without the ball to get him um, more yeah, comfortable looks. Agree, more comfortable Just looks. catching and shooting. And when a team is on him and he pump fakes, he's got his man beat either to the side or behind him. Attack. Don't set up for a pull-up. Keep going deeper to the paint because you might get a teammate who's open for a better look than what he's going to get. Don't shy away from the contact. Yes. I think sometimes he, a couple of times, he's trying to finesse it and, and so focused on making the shot. Where sometimes with great scores, you look at the manual a couple of times that I can think of, he's driving the ball to create contact, to yeah. get to the free. That's what scorers do. Right. That's part of being a scorer. And I think Emmanuel has that knack. And I'm sure Coach Staff, uh, I mean, Coach Sampin Staff, Coach Carnes there, probably coach him up a little bit more and tell him, when your shot is falling, do that. Look to get to the free throw line. But I think the offense just in that half court set. Who are you just going to develop some of them go to? I love keep going to J1 because I think he's a player who can cause a double team and he's so he's a good passer, willing passer. And he's you can trust him. He's going to make the smart decision. Oftentimes he's not really going to force something. He'll get it back out. And so I think you could continue to play through him. I, I love that Damian. He, he, the difference with, to him today, he was making shots, and therefore he kind of forced Coach Sampson's hands to keep him on the floor. But yeah. he, Although some of his other uh, mistakes that, that he'll make, the difference when he's going and he's able to make those shots, especially in the half-court set when the set gets a set defense, you need that because that's more times than not you're going to be in those situations. He's a player that can really, really excel in there. So it was good to see him going. He even missed a couple of free throws that I'm sure that yep. he wanted because he was at one point three or three or four for four, and he, he missed two and came back and made his last two. But just overall, it's just nitpicking. I, I, I yeah. believe 100% what Coach yeah. Sampson said. They can really be 3-0 and or should be 3-0 and right now. But um, this team is still good. I, I like this team a lot. I just – I think LJ – Still finding his mark, not only with his team, but he's still learning in regards to um, the game and developing. I mean, he I don't think he's a finished product just yet. You know, and, and TCU in conference play before this game was shooting 33% from three. They were eight for 15 from three tonight for 53%. The Cougs only had seven turnovers. They won the points off turnovers battle, 13-7. Second chance points, 13-9. Points in the paint, 40-28. A lot of things they did well, but TCU made eight threes. Cougs made four. One of the most important stats is Houston. TCU is one of the best fast break teams in the country. Houston did a great job of, like you mentioned, taking care of the ball, which um, disabled TCU's transition <clears throat> offense. So that was another good thing Houston did defensively was limiting TCU's fast-break opportunities. TCU's fast-break opportunities. Chris B. on YouTube says he still loves this U of H team, and he says it's much more fun than the American Athletic Conference. Oh, yeah. Losing close games is not the end of the world if they get better each 
week real quickly. Um, again, reminder to everybody that this Let's Rich Goods presented by the Saxinian family. Big thanks to Steve Saxinian for being the sponsor, the primary sponsor of Let's Rich Cougs, not only for this show, but for each and every show of the regular season heading down the stretch. And of course, for this episode, our secondary sponsor, Star Pizza, with three locations across the Houston area. Star Pizza is your go to stop before or after the game. Be sure to stop by any of the locations every Tuesday during lunchtime for an all you can eat pizza buffet. Star Pizza, as always, has had free delivery since 1976. On the topic of the Big 12 conference schedule, doesn't get any easier. I mentioned that at least Houston's going to be back at the Fertitta Center on Wednesday, but they're going to be welcoming in a very tough Texas Tech team that just, they're entering 3-0. and They're undefeated in Big 12 conference play, and they overcame a 20-0 run by Kansas State in today's game against the Wildcats and all. I mean, this is going to be a really good Red Raiders team that they're battle-tested on the road, too, not too far removed from going up to Moody Center in Austin and beating uh, then top 25-ranked Texas on the road. So it's going to be another tough um, battle on Wednesday. Yeah, there are no gimmies in the Big 12. You know, it's a home game for Houston. They should win because it's a home game. They need to play better, iron out a few things. They do that, and they should win. But this is what... We wanted, we wanted the better competition. We want to see the Cougs tested. This is iron sharpening iron. This is what's going to happen. I'm loving the hell out of this. Could they, am I disappointed that they lost? Yeah, but they'll be fine. And that's what I hang my hat on. I trust, I'm going to use the analogy. I'm going here, Dayon, Andy. I trust Kelvin Sampson to get things fixed way more than I would trust a certain person no longer in charge over at football <laughs> to get things fixed. Yeah, I knew where you were going there. And I was thinking that because of um, just some of the reaction after a couple of losses. But I think, I like a lot of things that you see, especially in regards to the rankings and all that's for fans and promotion and all that type of stuff. It really doesn't really matter in regards to right now. And so no panic yeah. for me. Um, I like where the team is. I like where they are. I think, like you said, 100% faith in Coach Sampson continue to – iron out this team and figure it out who does what and what, what they need on a game-to-game basis on the situations they'll be in and how to have the team prepare for those situations. And so um, I like it. I, I love what I was seeing from JVA once again. Back in, in the Big 12, he's, he's coming to play. He's looking like yep. a big man on campus. He, he, yep. He's looking like he's ready. So I'm liking that and just uh, make a couple more shots here and there, take care of the ball. I, I like what this team is. No panic for me, man. I think it's a – Tough test against um, a Texas Tech team. I think another Texas team, Houston fans, I'm sure, will be ready to welcome Tech in. And fans and, and players, first time that they lost back-to-back games under Coach Sampson, some of the players on this team right now. And so they're mm-hmm. going to be ready chomping at the bit to to get that um, taste out of their mouth. Yeah, and that's pretty much going to do it for today's episode of Let's Rich Cougs. Chris, I'll toss it over to you. Um, where can people find you and any final thoughts that you want to uh, mention? Once again, thank you to all the people who chimed in on, on YouTube and, and Twitter, Musk, and joining us on Let's Rage Cougs, presented by the Saxonian family. It's a tough loss for the Cougs, but follow me at Houston Rombar View on YouTube, Instagram, Spoutable, Threads, etc. Looking forward to next Wednesday's matchup. Home game at Tech. Later start. 
It's, uh, I think, 8 o'clock on ESPNU. Come on. That's a great answer. But thank you very much, everybody. And don't worry. The team will be fine. And see you next week. Y'all take care. People can find me on Twitter at Aonis underscore five. I like how you say it, Chris. Uh, Musk's Twitter, unofficially, as yeah, X yeah. also known. Um, most importantly, be sure to subscribe on whichever platform you're watching this, whether it be on the Podslam Jamma YouTube channel or if it's on the Houston Rombaugh Review YouTube channel. If you are watching this on the Houston Rombaugh Review YouTube channel, stay tuned for the AdMax Corners. They're going to have the postgame show for the, the Texans playoff victory over the Cleveland Browns, a dominant playoff victory over the Cleveland Browns, 45-14 in C.J. Stroud's playoff debut. He looked phenomenal, so be sure to stay tuned for that on the Houston Round Ball Review YouTube channel. Like Chris says, local name, global perspective, and we'll be back on Wednesday following Houston and Texas Tech as the Cougars look to bounce back from these back-to-back losses on the road in the Big 12. As always, Dayon, you get to close us out, sir. Appreciate our sponsors, the Saxonian family, all the love and support from all our supporters and fans, everyone that commented. Of course, you guys, Chris and Andy, I wouldn't rather do this with anyone else. And of course, Cook fans, stay patient. We got a great head coach, great team. It's part of being in the Big 12, the um, top-notch competition day in and day out. Houston will prove that they are one of the best teams. Just, it's a long season. And I'm looking forward to the next game. Go Cougs. <laughs>